welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. My name's Amy McDonald. I'm a yoga teacher, yoga student, and a yoga business coach. And I'm here to support you to share your yoga with the people in your community who really need it. So if you're an amazing yoga teacher, but you sometimes struggle with the business part of what it is that you do, you're in the right place. I hope you thoroughly enjoy everything I've got in store for you. And if you have any suggestions, questions, or ideas for future podcasts, reach out to me on Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Hey everybody, happy new year. Uh, feels like it's just kicking off for me. It's, it's, <laughs> it's February, uh, but um, I've been away for most of January. Wow, what a whirlwind. We'll talk about that for a little moment. So this is the first time I am back in my air quotes, recording studio, uh, laying down a podcast for you all. And I got to say, I am so, so, so excited about it. So Steve-O, who's just uh, running here with his Teddy, if you can hear any heavy breathing or snuffing, that's Teddy's face being destroyed. Not me and uh, SARS. Didn't get SARS. Keep telling my dad. Didn't get it. I'm okay. It's all right. So uh, welcome back to me. Welcome back to you. Thanks for uh, Thanks for catching up for yet another episode of the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. Choosing a new released date for 2020. I don't know why it was Thursdays. It was Thursdays for a really long time. I think it was Thursdays because I used to work a full-time corporate job and that was one morning of the week. I think I had my coaching at 6am on a Tuesday so I could do it on 6am on a Thursday and it just kind of stuck. But guess what? I don't work on Thursdays, uh, at least not in this business. And so just dawned on me that, well, Amy, uh, what would you tell your people to do? You would tell your people to set it up in a way that works for them. Ding. That's what you should do for you. And really that is what this week's topic is all about. We're going to be talking about Jnana Vardhana. Jnana Vardhana. (laughs) I don't know about that one. Hit me up on Insta if you're like Jnana, Jnana you a G or a J person. Uh, my teacher's voice said Jnana. If you listen to that old Ramdas stuff, he's totally Jnanaing all over the place. I don't know. Not a Sanskritist. But anyway, that's what we're going to be talking about. Jnana Vardhana in your business, catching Jnana Vardhana in your business uh, before it's too late. So, um, and I've, I've, I've sort of given you a bit of an example already of what it is and, and how it shows up, but I'll tell you in a little bit more detail. So essentially, you know, jnana, uh, again, Amy, isn't a Sanskritist. My understanding of the word, as with all Sanskrit words, variety of meanings. But in this sense, I'm talking about jnana in the sense of knowledge, like jnana yoga, um, uh, and in the sense of knowledge, not just of like facts and figures, but in the sense of like deep truth and true, like knowing your true self and uh, insight and wisdom and knowledge that is beyond the bounds of your sort of mere kind of uh, academic intellecty kind of uh, manas kind of part of your brain, that, that it's the wisdom and the knowledge that you have that is bigger than, uh, you know, what you could read in books, but is not exclusive of that sort of knowledge as well. And then Varana, Varana in, here in, in, for our intents and purposes today is referring to um, 
obstacles or impediments or um, like a, a, a gate or a door in the sense that of it being closed. So an obscuring of knowledge is really how I'm choosing to interpret this term today um, for what I want to talk about. So then to go back to our uh, the, the topic, catching that obscured knowledge in your business before it's too late. Well, what do you mean by that, Amy? What do you, what do you want about? Really what, um, what I'm talking about is when you act in ways that, uh, where you aren't seeing the real truth, where you choose to take action based on your perception of a situation, which may be obscured by things such as your own limiting beliefs, your own desires, your own um, samskara, vasana, karma. I'll talk more about each of those in a moment. But you know, when, when, and this is applicable for both life and business, but when you make a choice and you proceed down a path and then it doesn't go as you thought it would and you realize that was because you were not seeing the full truth of a situation, choosing to see the world in rose-colored glasses or tinted glasses, you know, that, that sort of thing, or maybe maybe presuming the worst of, worst of a situation or of someone else rather than seeing the entire situation or um, taking something very, very personally when, in fact, the interaction you were having with someone else had nothing to do with your conduct but simply was a, was a result of what they were bringing to the exchange. So the reason that I felt this was a particularly uh, zesty topic is because I have just been in the whirlwind of this hard. Uh, my <laughs> my life was set to take a uh, big turn, a very, very exciting one, and um, super excited about it. Uh, big, big financial investment, big lots of changes to my business and my life and socially and all of it. Essentially, uh, blowing, Amy decided she'd blow up her life and go do something that was really, really, really exciting. And, uh, and I had to do a whole lot of adjusting and correcting and negotiating to fit all of the other bits into all of the other places, but it was going to be worth it because I was really, really excited. And, um, as I said, I've been away and, uh, um, one of the things that happened while I was away was I got to spend a lot of time just sitting around and talking with my dad. If you don't follow me on Insta, dad took dad and his wife, they live in Thailand. She's Thai. They took me to their new local temple to do the fortune telling sticks, you know, in the temples in Thailand, they have these sticks that kind of like pick up sticks and you shake it until one falls out. It has a number on it. And then you go find the corresponding piece of paper that tells you the fortune based on the number. This is a thing that we do. So we went to go do that. They've got had this brand new temple built that was still, you know, the Buddha has just been gold leafed and everything's looking rather fabulous. And um, we're there, we're shaking the sticks, whatever. And um, dad took a step backwards and didn't realize that since the last time they'd been there, that installed about a 30 centimeter high platform that we were sitting on. And last time he was there, it was just flat. And he stepped backwards off this platform and fell with his whole body weight onto his hip and broke himself fairly significantly. So uh, what was supposed to be just a fun hanging out at my dad's place for a week turned out to be uh, hanging out with my dad uh, in the not-so-local hospital. 
which is a whole thing in itself. I should do a podcast on it because it's not the hospitals that they have for medical tourism. It's the hospitals where all of the other Thai farmers go when they break themselves. And my dad was in the men's orthopedics ward. So it's with all the men who have fallen off scooters, fallen off motorcycles, fallen off ladders, fallen out of pickup trucks, essentially broken their bones. Um, and to some far more catastrophic than my dad, but my dad did break the head off his femur. And, uh, so that meant that we had a whole lot of time to sit around and talk about things, which is, you know, as a, as an adult daughter, having time to just sit with your dad, uh, is actually rather precious. I wouldn't recommend that you go about getting it the way that I did. (laughs) Woo. Uh, that was a cultural experience I'll remember forever. Um, yeah, I'll talk more about it another time about what actually is involved about being part of the immediate family of a patient in a regional hospital in Thailand. But just, you know, you think you know someone and then you do all sorts of other things for them and you know them in a whole different way. If you're a nurse listening to this or a carer for someone who's like elderly and frail or, you know, whatever, um, bless, that is some service right there. Bedpans catheters, adult diapers. I mean, bless. I'm so grateful that there are people in the world who chose to do those things as a profession because man, you're a better person than me. Anyway, moving right along. So all of this to say that dad and I had a fair bit of time to talk and I was talking with him about this new thing and how it was exciting and I'd had to change a whole bunch of stuff and it had caused a little bit of, it had caused some ripples in the pond uh, with my business and the availability and my clients and, and, uh, you know, I had to throw a fair bit of money at it to make it work. And it was going to be a bit unstable at the start, but it would pay off in the end. And, um, and, and then I got some more information about this project and suddenly it didn't seem to be actually what I thought I had signed up for. And so I thought, well, you know, I'm a smart woman, I'm adaptable. Uh, I want to do this. I want to support the people I'll be doing it with. I can figure it out. Everything is figure outable, right? Thanks, Mary Folio. She's right. Everything is figure outable. And I went straight into figure outable mode because I'm a coach and we're about solutions and moving forward and chocking the wheels and getting results. And I can figure this out. And then but it's just something, you know, it's just something. There was something there that was just like, I don't know, just I wasn't sleeping. I was doing the 2 a.m. wake up. Something's going on. And by this time, my retreat had finished and my dad was out of hospital. So, you know, Skype him. Great. We're back into the throes of having these big DMs, these big, deep and meaningful conversations. Amy and her dad. Fantastic. So I Skype him and I'm going through all of this stuff and he doesn't say anything. And, and, you know, and so I tell him some more and I try and explain and I try and justify what's going on from this other opportunity and their perspective and how I'm feeling. And maybe I'm, you know, not being clear or what should, you know, but I can work it all out and I've, I've come up with a solution and it's going to cost me a bit more money than I thought it would, but it's doable. And, you know, and then my dad starts laughing, you know, as a daughter. And, uh, so of course I say, what do you want to share? And, um, and he says, (laughs) I love this. He says, well, you know, I watch a fair bit of your stuff on Facebook. My dad is a big Facebook fan. Spends a lot of time on Facebook, not a fan of Mark, but a fan of the conversations on Facebook. I never thought he actually would watch my stuff. Turns out he does. And he says, so I've watched a fair bit of your stuff on Facebook. And you know, you talk about authenticity a fair bit and being your real self. 
I'm like, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I believe that's t- totally what I'm, what I'm about. And he says, except that you're not doing it now. And I just thought, you know, when you get like gut punch, gut punch, my whole thing is be good, be a yogi in your business, Amy, and don't promote anything that you wouldn't do yourself or that you're not working on yourself. Like, you know, really radical authenticity here. Don't be an asshole, be a yogi in business. So when he said that, I was, you know, really like devo. This is, that's Australian for devastated. Sorry. Amy needs to travel more in 2020. Those things are creeping in. Anyway, you know, that was, that was a lot to, um, that was a lot to hear. So I said, well, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, Amy, what you're talking about is saying yes to a business opportunity where you will lose money most weeks. Sometimes you'll break even, but for the most part, you will lose money. And I thought, shit. Yeah. Okay. He's right. That, that's, that's accurate. And I thought there was an upside and I was, but okay. Yep. And, and he said, in, in my mind, I had thought, well, I, that's okay because the other opportunities that present themselves in this scenario make that worthwhile. I'm prepared to not make cash on this uh, because I'll be getting other benefits. And I said that to my dad and he said, yes, except that your whole business is about teaching yoga teachers how to make money. And you're about to go do a yoga job where you won't make money. Oh, gut punch number two. He's right. Me saying yes to a project that would create opportunity in some ways, but a lot of instability in other ways and not net me, not put me in a cash positive situation um, at odds with what I'm about and with what I show up and share with you guys all the time. Right. Thanks, Dad. Yes, you're right. Gut punch number two. Then along comes gut punch number three. He says, and it sounds as though from, from, you know, the interaction that I've been having about this opportunity, et cetera, that in fact, there was some instability there and the agreement that we had in place probably wasn't able to be fulfilled. And they were hoping that maybe I could do some other things instead of, you know, what I wanted to do. Um, and I had kind of been, I had just taken that in stride rather than actually think about it critically. Um, and, and he said to me, you know, all of the reasons, all of the non-monetary reasons that you're doing this, taking this opportunity are actually now, um, no longer quantifiable in the way that they were when you first said yes, i.e. what you thought you were going there for probably won't be there when you get there. So, uh, again, what you're doing is choosing to say yes to significant amounts of business risks. And that's not what you teach people. If you say yes here, again, you are saying yes to no money or losing money, less certainty in your business, greater business risk, more instability. None of those things are what I'm about. So that was gut punch number three. And of course, with that, you know, it's like pulling off the veils, right? You, 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 you suddenly realize, well, heck, uh, I was making a decision based on what I thought was true. 
but that was the Nyanavarana, right? That was the obscured knowledge. I wasn't because I was so excited about the opportunity and because I, there was so much positivity around it and because I was a little bit bored with what I had been doing last year and I wanted to try something different um, and because I could figure things out and because I like being a part of something new and innovative, um, I was really into it. I was really going for it. I was really excited about it. And I was totally making all of these significant life choices with part of my knowledge obscured. I know yoga teachers undervalue themselves financially. I know we say yes when we probably should say no. I know that when you are showing up and doing, you know, speaking your truth, that's when your business is successful. And yet I was making a significant decision, life decision, where I was working against all three of those truths. I know all of that stuff. But in my decision-making process, all of those truths were completely obscured. All of that wisdom was, um, there was an impediment there. And I wasn't making a choice using all of my jnana, all of the wisdom, all of the insight, all of the knowledge and the truth that I have worked hard to develop and surrender to and be aware of and, and open and receive. So the reason that I've shared that somewhat, not somewhat completely long-winded personal anecdote is because, uh, one, like we're all in this together, right? Uh, if I'm doing a topic on the podcast, it's either because Catherine Bennett has emailed me and asked me about it. Hi, Catherine. Or, uh, it's something that I'm working on myself. In this case, this is for me, um, big, big, big thing happening that I kind of went public with, uh, and then realized, holy shit, this, if you do this, you are devaluing everything you're about because you are going against what you teach people. If you keep saying yes here, you are undervaluing yourself and you are doing all the things you coach people not to do. What the hell? So, um, Today, I want to share this topic with you because uh, I believe I was fortunate and I caught this before it got really bad and I ended up, you know, paying essentially paying a whole lot of money um, to do things that I don't want to do. Uh, as it is, I um, caught it just in time and I'm only a few grand down and everybody can bounce back from a few grand. Okay, but I don't want you in to to be getting yourself into a situation like I did. And so what I've done is I've come up with sort of three sets of questions so that you can um, start to anticipate Jnana Vardana, um, so that it doesn't kick you up the bum like it did for me. So obviously, it's one of those tricky things where you're making you know if I am making decisions without with my full knowledge obscured, I don't know that I'm doing it right. Like it's one of those situations that it's a little bit, how do you make, how do you make decisions with your full knowledge when you don't know that your full knowledge is being obscured? So obviously there's that kind of double bind situation in there. And that's why I've come up with sort of three approaches here. Um, one that's sort of in the moment, one is looking back immediately when you realize you've fudged it up. And then one is kind of a set of 
questions to consider over the long term so that you can start to identify patterns and triggers and preempt them. So let's start with what happens in the moment. When you are making a decision, um, this is where obviously contemplative practice is important because you need to attune to your body's signals. So things like Amy waking up at 2 a.m. I mean, Amy was waking up, at, Amy wakes up at 2 a.m. when she's stressed out, right? Um, I just taught, my dad had had an accident, but he was well and was healing and was at home. We'd paid for it and it was all okay. I just taught a retreat at one of my most beloved places on the face of the earth with a group of women who were just delicious. I was staying in a lovely condo, relaxing, working out, having amazing food brought to me. And I was coming home to a really exciting opportunity that was well underway. I was across it. I was so excited. Like, what the hell? I'm waking up at 2 a.m. So that's when we know, okay, something's up and I need to take the time to figure out what it is. So, so the first thing is if, you know, you will – not always, but hopefully for the most part, your body will give you some kind of indicator, whether it's the oracle card that you pull or the fact that you break out in eczema, whatever your thing is, you know you. For me, it's 2 a.m. wake-ups. If something's not right, you know, foster a sense of, of, of healthy sensitivity in yourself so that you can be more attuned to these little whispers of body wisdom. Now, next, in the moment, so if you have one of those pings, if you get eczema or insomnia or you're snappy for no good reason or you find yourself, I don't know, eating a lot of carbs, (laughs) whatever your thing is, um, first of all, notice that the first thing to remember is, is sort of the compassion piece in that objectivity is always limited. So it doesn't matter how much you try and go into any situation with your eyes wide open and you leave your prejudices at the door. Objectivity is always limited. We we're humans. We could not exist in the world. We would explode. We would spontaneously combust if we were actually exposed to all of the data that is happening at all of the time. We are we, I mean, that's like, you know, when, when, when Arjuna looks into Krishna's mouth, you know, and like loses his mind because suddenly Krishna pulls off all the veils, pulls off all the masks and shows Arjuna what's actually going on. And he shits the bed because it's that intense. Like we have to have that level. We have to have a level of filtering. We have to have Maya. We have to have that uh, restriction in reality so that we can actually endure it. So no matter how objective you're trying to be, know that you can never actually know it all. And it's not because you're a bad person. It's simply so that you don't shit the bed, spontaneously combust, whatever, be overwhelmed. So know that. Number two, know that, you know, know, recall what you know about yourself, understand your own weak spots. So know your, um, tendencies regarding your your own samskaras and your own vasanas. So that is, samskaras are, you know, memories, stuff that's happened to you in the past, and the vasana is the emotional charge associated with the memory. So if you know that your parents went through a shitty divorce and you didn't see your dad anymore after you were six years old, and so you know that associated with that memory, you have an energetic charge on being left alone, don't leave me stuff, um, then you know that unless you check it, your karma 
is such that you will enter in to certain relationships based on that story. Either you'll self-sabotage so that you're not left or, you know, you may attract people who are going to leave you so that you can uh, experience the familiarity of that samskara, right? Oh, I know that pattern. It feels safe. I'm going to stay in it. For, this is just an example. So once, you know, if you know your weak spots, then you can review those in the moment of making decisions or checking your own behavior. And then the third thing in the moment is to do exactly what I did with my dad. And that is to go to a trusted mentor. Now, this is not the girlfriends that you need, for example, when you go through the breakup and you just need a group of people to say, oh, we never liked him anyway. There is a time and a place for reaffirming your choices. That is not what you need in this moment. What you need in this moment is a critical friend. What you need is Krishna, again, Krishna in the chariot and saying, hey, dude, Look at all of this. This is what's actually going on. Someone that you can talk to and who can uh, bring in their objectivity where you may not be able to use yours. Like my dad, he wasn't saying, "Yeah, you should do whatever makes you feel good." If you, he was saying, "Well, hang on, you're contradicting yourself here." And you know, if you were your own client, you wouldn't say that in that moment. He was just mirroring back to me areas where my behavior was being incongruent and not in a way that was, um, as much as I joked about it being a gut punch, it was, but that wasn't because of how he was giving me that feedback. It was because I was seeing my own behavior and shocking myself that I behaved in such a way, you know, it wasn't him. It was me. That was the, that was the, 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 uh, originator of the gut punch. So in the moment, how do you know that Nyana Varana is kicking you in the ass? One, know that you can never be fully objective and this is going to get you, especially if you really want something, you know, like the guy that I dated. Oh my God. I just thought he was so great. Oh, we have so much in common. And because I wanted it so bad, I completely just chose not to be available to the knowledge of the fact that he was a chronic narcissist. (laughs) They're so damn charismatic. (laughs) Why did I love him? Because he loved him. God damn it. Yeah, that. So, you know, you can just accept the fact that um, Jnana Vardana is always there in some way. And what we can look to do is mitigate it. Two, know your own weak spots. Know your patterns and your tendencies. What are your samskaras? What are your vasanas? What is your karma? Because you're kind of like your karmic load regarding certain relationships or interactions. What and what I mean by that is what is your anticipated behavioral tendencies or thought patterns based on what has happened to you in the past? AKA, know your conditioning and check it and check your response. Um, you know, check your response to it and make, um, you know, make choices with agency rather than defaulting to those karmic pathways. And then three, have someone in your life uh, who can be that critical friend for you. Um, more than one, uh, you know, I have someone else in my life and I, I explained the situation to her and she was very clear with me um, that, well, that never seemed to align with your goals and I wouldn't have advised you to do that. And this like very clearly, again, with love, with compassion, but very clearly helping me see where I couldn't see it myself. Then I think there's a time for like, for me, for Amy, who uh, I lost the couple of thousand and I have a bit of egg on my face and I didn't catch it 
before it happened. I, I was in it. I was doing the thing. Um, you know, what do you do when you recognize that Jnana Vardhana has got you and you have done something that if it was replay, if you could have a do-over, uh, it wouldn't play out like that. What do you do in that situation? So I've come up with these three questions and I think these are really powerful journaling or contemplative. I, I find getting it down on paper to be particularly helpful. So um, here's some questions where you can look back. So I'm, and these are the ones that I'm working on these myself right now in, in what's just happened for me. So the first one is, you know, in hindsight, considering everything that happened, what were my assumptions? And for me, one of the assumptions I had was that um, people do business the way I do business. People, I have fairly average business values. And so I presumed that the way I approach a business partnership is just how everybody does it, which when I say it out loud, sounds so stupid, but I didn't actually interrogate that belief during the negotiation, obviously, because it wasn't until after it happened that I went, oh shit, I thought that just because we agreed to something that that would be what would happen because I thought that that's what everybody did, but they don't. And it's not to make anybody right or wrong. It's simply, that's simply Jnana Vardhana. I just wasn't aware of the full picture. I was choosing to obscure some knowledge. And, you know, I'm a grown woman. I know some people, I know people do business differently. Yep. I coach y'all and I still fell into that trap. So question number one, looking back, what were my assumptions? Next one, looking back, what would I do differently? Uh, and, and for me, this one's been really good. Um, because looking back, what would I do differently? I, I, you know, would firm things up more. I would take a lot longer to consider things. I would stage decisions so that I wasn't, uh, having to sort of throw everything all in uh, and put myself at greater risk. Um, and possibly I would have interrogated my decision sooner in its entirety, but that one, what would I have done differently? And warning, this is not an opportunity to beat yourself up. This is simply a theoretical do-over so that you're starting to walk different sort of mental pathways should a similar situation arise in the future. Uh, and PS, if that's your karmic load, <laughs> It's coming. Uh, next, the last one here is what would have been a more appropriate response? So, okay, I would have done that thing differently. How would I have like? How would have? How would have? How would I have preferred to have responded in that situation? Uh, and for me, I let things go way too long. Um, I uh, there. I have some conditioning around being a control freak. I think I've been through a few breakups because you're such a control freak, um, which, which turns out I, I like a fairly high level of control in my life. It makes me feel safe. I'm a certainty person with uh, Tony Robbins, basic human needs. Absolutely. 100%, um, which not everybody likes, doesn't make it right or wrong. It's just who I am. And I know that about me, but, uh, again, turns out that conditioning from whatever, when I was 20 or whatever the hell, um, and yeah, a control freak was, it's in there. It was, it was, I was believing that. And so I didn't pursue formalizing things soon enough because I didn't want to be a control freak, right? Oh, I don't want to be that old label. 
that makes me feel so crappy about myself. I'll just self-sabotage and and forego what I need to feel safe. Wah, wah. Okay, again, I'm not going to beat myself up about it. I just know that I did it again. <laughs> that happened again. <laughs> that old chestnut. Uh, 42, I'm only halfway there. Might get it next time. So for if you find that you have, in fact, made a decision with your eyes a little bit closed, um, if you have, in fact, got yourself to a point where Nyana Vardana has kicked you in the ass a little, here's the three questions to consider so that you're more empowered next time around. Looking back, what were my assumptions here? Looking back, what would I do differently? And looking back, what would have been a more appropriate response? Okay, and then the final portion here is how do we start to, um, so I've just, sorry, recap. I've talked about in the moment when you're making a decision so that you avoid making decisions with obscured knowledge. Then I've talked about uh, when you have done it and you don't want to do it again, like looking back in, in sort of more immediate sense and reflecting on what happened so that you can be more empowered next time. What I want to lay down finally, these last two questions are about how do we start to generate ongoing greater senses of self-awareness such that we are less vulnerable to being in a place where Nyana Vardana is going to show up and cause detrimental effects in our life and business. So those two questions are these two questions. One, where do you know you tend to overreact? It can be positive or negative. It can be like, where do you get swept up in the good mood? Where do you tend to freak out? Knowing what you know about yourself, where do you tend to overreact? Because when we're overreacting in any direction, something's not quite right. And there is probably something subconscious at play that could be dug out for greater clarity and better decision-making. Where do you tend to overreact? And next, where do you tend to take things personally? This is a cracker. I, oh, oh God, I got dished this up bad on retreat. Woo-wee! <laughs> Nothing like teaching a seven-day retreat to uh, let you take fewer things personally. Yowza. Uh Yeah, had someone on retreat actually say during one of the things I was teaching the asana, I will never do this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, so where do you tend to take things personally? Because, again, that could be an, uh, um, if, if you're triggered personally, if you take things personally and in hindsight you go, that had nothing to do with me. She was just in the shits because her groceries was 20 more than she was expecting. It had nothing to do with how much my yoga costs. Now, where, what, what, where is it that you tend to take things personally? Is it about the quality of your service? Is it about um, money? Like Knowing what you know about yourself, where do you tend to take things personally? Because it is, again, it is in those moments where you could be making decisions and operating from a place of incomplete knowledge, where some of your jnana is blocked. Yeah. So uh, that's pretty much it, folks. Let me go those two journaling things for the longer term picture. Where do you tend to overreact and where do you tend to take things personally? And those environments or those conditions may be where you are more susceptible to jnana vardana, i.e., acting, conducting your, conducting yourself, behaving, choosing decision, making decisions 
from a place that is um, not your full capacity, only drawing on part of your wisdom and refusing to see the full, the bigger picture, refusing to see what's actually going on because your patterns, your conditioning, your karma has been uh, running the show, keeping you in a very, uh, keeping you in a limited perception of the situation. Okay. There you have it, folks. Uh, Happy Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. Um, Thanks again for everybody who's been sending me suggestions. Uh, If if there's something that you're working on, um, you'd like to hear from me on a particular topic, do let me know. DM me on Insta at amyyogabizcoach. I'm always looking for topics. I don't want to have to go through everything to come up with topics for you all. (laughs) Amy's life turned to a complete shit show so she could generate enough material for the podcast. Uh, share, be generous. If something's not quite right for you and you would like my support with something, uh, let me know, hit me up and I'll do a topic for you next week. We having a guest interview. Yahoo. Can't wait. It's a good one. I say that every time I believe it. Uh, take care everybody. And I'll speak with you all soon. Bye. So there you have it, folks, another edition of the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. Hey, favor to ask, if you found the content useful, I would be very grateful if you could support this podcast by giving me a five-star rating. And if you've got a moment, a review would be super cool. No pressure, of course. Like I said earlier, if you have any suggestions for podcast topics in the future, I would love to be in service. DM me on Instagram at amyyogabizcoach. Take deep care.